Hello and welcome to In Orbit, the podcast exploring how technology from space is empowering a better world. Brought to you by the Satellite Applications Catapult. I'm your host, Dallas Campbell. Thank you very much for your company. In this series, we are going to be in conversation with some of the most inspiring minds in the country, exploring all the ways that the UK is using space to make huge differences to our everyday lives, as well as gaining a better understanding of its role in shaping and sustaining our planet for the future. Now then, in today's episode, we will be exploring the critical role of satellite antenna testing and its importance to the space industry. I'm joined in the studio by Evangelos Melios. He's the antenna and radio frequency engineer from the satellite applications Catapult. Harvinder Nagy, senior systems architect, also from the Catapult. We've got Miro Blihash, who's the operations director at Helix Geospace. And joining us remotely from Glasgow is Martin Lees, the senior antenna engineer from Spire. Now, antennas are the unsung heroes of space missions, enabling vital communications and data transmission between spacecraft and ground stations. However, ensuring their reliability and performance in the harsh conditions of space is no easy feat. And that's where satellite antenna testing comes into play, where rigorous evaluation and experimentation are conducted to guarantee their functionality, durability, and efficiency. Hey, thanks for coming in to talk about Thank you. the unsung hero that is antenna, ant, antenna, antennae. How do I, I don't even know how to pronounce it. That's how out <laughs> of my depth I am today. Where do we even start with that? <laughs> Maybe the pronunciation would help. Antenna or antennae? No, it's, it is antenna. Antennae. Is the plural. Yeah, antennae is the plural, but it's for the uh, insects when we have antennae. That's what I, that's what I was, <laughs> that's, that's what my brain was going. I was, I was immediately thinking kind of like weird proboscis on it. Anyway, who wants to start? So antenna testing. Okay. Maybe we should start about, I mentioned unsung heroes. Why are space satellite antenna unsung heroes? Let's start with um, who's looking most nervous. Harvinder's <laughs> looking quite, looking at me brightly. You can, you can start because you're from the, you're from the catapult. Yeah, I'm from catapult. Hello guys. So why is it important? So yeah, or maybe even what are they? Like when I, I'm imagining kind of things on you know, sticky out things on satellites. Yeah, so just a brief description. Uh, I guess it's probably fair to explain them briefly yeah, what, exactly. what they are. Yes. So they form the, you know, two functions. One is the transmit function and okay. the other one is the receive function. So it receives the radio waves, uh, you know, from the transmitter and the transmitter's function is to send the signal what we trying to do, which could be a, a video or an audio. Yeah. Uh, so prime examples is your um, own mobile phone. It's got both uh, transmit and receive because your mobile phone enables you to talk and receive data. Okay. So previous antennas, if you remember the old phones, it will have a sticky That's what I was, I was thinking of old TVs old with t- the old <laughs> rabbit ears. Can I proper antenna, old school. Proper, I'm guessing, a- you, don't have, I'm guessing you don't have aerials on your satellites <laughs> so you can sort of pull up and... That's good. Yeah, Evangelist, what does, yeah, if I, if we were to, well, actually on my phone, you can't even see it because I guess it's built no, within exactly. the case now, isn't it? The, so the yeah, that's the beautiful thing with antennas. So there are lots of different types of antennas. Yeah. You 
can uh, lots of people must have seen the big parabolic dishes that can go up on a big satellite or yeah. you use them on the ground to to receive signals from satellites on the other hand you may have tiny antennas so your phone must have eight antennas or so that are very very small so each antenna uh, is made for a specific purpose uh, yeah. with a specific performance in mind so we know what antenna are so they're for uh Sending and receiving yes. signals. Okay. So, yeah, and they're very frequency dependent. They're designed, as Van Vangelis said, that they are made for certain frequency okay. bands. Well, that, that's that's I suppose that's the important thing. And when I said unsung hero, they're pretty fundamental to pretty ev everything that we do. Obviously, I mean, in space, there's no point, in, there's no point in setting something up if you can't talk Receive to it. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay. in order to do anything clever with the signal, yeah. <laughs> afterwards you need to be able to transmit and receive it in the first place. Yeah. So that's why the importance is fundamental for any communication system. Even more for uh, antennas on satellites, because you cannot go up there and yeah. change it <laughs> if it doesn't work properly. That's, it's always it's generally <laughs> quite tricky, as, as historically <laughs> we found, fixing things yes. in orbit. It's a bit of a challenge. I suppose I, w I want to know kind of how... When we think about spacecraft engineering, is it particularly difficult, the sort of antenna? Is it a particularly challenging thing to do to sort of get them right and, you know, in the scheme of things? Yes, it does. I mean, I have worked in aerospace industry and there's a lot of testing goes into it yeah. to make sure it goes through different vibration, different environmental specifications, radiation specification, because there's a lot of, uh, you know, hostile radiations in space yeah. um, before they are launched. Uh, so the answer to your question is that a lot of aggressive testing goes at the ground level before they're launched I in like space. aggressive testing. So what do we mean? Things like vibrating tables? Oh, yeah. So vibrating as a, with the launch of the rocket because the g-forces multiply yeah. and then it's not just normal gravity it'd be 20 times the potentially up to 20 g yeah. uh, forces could be experienced by the payload system the wireless systems so yeah you yeah, have to replicate all that in a lab environment so maybe just maybe yeah tell us what kind of facilities that you have here in the uk for testing this what does the satellite applications catapult have uh we do have a number of facilities so antenna testing um is uh, is important. You, yeah. uh, you need to be able to test the performance on the antenna to make sure that uh, they perform as well as uh, you want them to perform. The testing needs to be reliable, needs to be repeatable in under controlled conditions. So at the Catapult, we have a number of different labs to, that, that are uh, designed in order to support uh, antenna testing. Okay. It's designed for a different type of, uh, of antenna. One example is we have a lab called the Near Field Range. So this is a... Uh, What's it called? So the Near... Near Field Range. Near Field Range. Yes. Okay, I so this is, an, okay. uh, this is built inside the room that is uh, an anechoic chamber. Anechoic means... I'm no slightly echoes. obsessed by that. Because they look... So this is... It's a kind of sound, or the absence of sound. Exactly. And it's got so a kind of spiky, foamy thing. Yes, so. exactly. So yeah. it's very similar to a recording studio. <laughs> yeah. You want a quiet environment, but from an electromagnetic uh, perspective. Okay. So you have a room covered with absorbers, so that absorb energy in radio frequencies, so that you don't have any unwanted reflections of, of the so signal. It's not, so, it's not so much sound that you're trying to. Uh, no, you you. So sound is at. So it is like sound, but at different frequencies. So, so, at, so okay. at higher frequencies, which is the electromagnetic uh, okay. 
it's radio waves, I think. Radio, that's, yeah, radio that's a, okay. Yeah. So it's radio waves to trying to prevent. So they they prevent that any kind of interference from any communication, which could be a mobile, could be your um, you know police signals or a, oh, I see. any kind of communication. So, so basically, you stick it in in the anechoic chamber, and then you can. So you're totally free of any. Yes, electromagnetic interference. Interference, so you can really sort of understand. You focus on exactly. That's yeah. one variable, and you need to test the performance of the antenna to make sure it works as uh, well as it does. And also, you need to make sure that uh, your antenna will not generate any interference to other uh, um, applications, for example. Okay, so we've got anechoic chamber. I once recorded, I once filmed in an anechoic mm-hmm. chamber in Manchester. We, <laughs> it's ri- if you've ever, I don't know if you can go inside your anechoic. Have, yes, have you? Yes, it's the weirdest does. thing because it's completely devoid yes. of any sound and you can kind of hear your heartbeat and it's really yes. disconcerting. Yes. Uh, anyway. So another facility. Office parties, I'm imagining. <laughs> right, quick, let's go to the anechoic chamber. Yes. Nobody will hear us. Yes, or it's a very nice environment for an uh, afternoon nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have a little Part, yes. yeah. 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 Um, another facility that we have at the Catapel that is quite unique, probably the only one uh, remaining in the UK, and, uh, is um, an outdoor facility to test antennas. So in order uh, to create this quiet environment from uh, an electromagnetic point of mm. view, uh, we go to open space. We have a 400 meters uh, open field where we have a transmit antenna on one side and an antenna under test on the other side. Okay. We use this large open space to, to test the antennas. So instead of uh, absorbing the energy there, there's nothing around it to create any any interference. Okay. So basically you're, you're, you're kind of recreating the environments that that, yes. the, the, the equipment would be facing in space. Everything from launch through to That's right. The There's certain standards they follow to like right. military standard or DEFSTAN or uh, Ofcom and ITU gives you a certain way how to measure uh, these uh, testing. Yeah. I suppose I want to know why it's so crucial. I mean, it, it, what's the environment in space like? like? Why is it crucial to sort of test it to such a... I mean, do things go wrong in, in space historically that you've got to spend time making sure? There has been lessons learned from <laughs> things gone wrong. <laughs> yeah. I think beyond the, the mechanical problems of vibration and shakes and, and uh, others, the, there's also obviously the, the link budget. So in order for your antenna to work in space, you need to have enough gain and you need to be filtering the right frequencies so you're not interfering with any other satellites around you. So what you don't want to find out is once you're on, up there in space, you're trying to make a link to the satellite and actually find out that your antenna hasn't got enough gain to make a connection. I'm going to ask a really dumb question. What do we mean by gain? I, mean, so, I understand right, my okay. microphone, it says gain. I never know <laughs> quite right. what it means. So, <laughs> so the way we measure gain in antennas is we have a, what's called an isotropic gain. So how much how much power you're able to transmit in all directions. Yeah. So we then are able to say, okay, but if we modify the pattern of the antenna, so just like a microphone works really well in Mm. this direction, Mm. but works really rubbish in every other direction, we can do the same with antennas. So then we can measure how much power we are receiving or slash transmitting in a specific direction. And and, then that basically gives you the gain. Mm. And you need to have enough gain to be able to receive the right amount of signal Mm. to be able to then decode it and actually get some communication messages from that. Got it. Okay. Maybe someone could tell us a little bit about how antennas actually work. Take us from the sort of beginning of a kind of... 101 lesson in uh, in sort of radio frequency antennas and how it works kind of in space. So 
I, I can give it a go. Mira, I think, I, I everyone's mean, I everyone's like, kind of I feel like jump, in, see, yeah. jump in for... Can I, can I add a <clears> point <throat> to Myra's point about sure. why do you have testing in space? I mean, one oh, of okay. the major co- uh, issues is the cost. So you spend a lot of time and effort developing those technologies. And if it goes in space and it fails, that money's not coming back. <laughs> that's, that's a company's big investment gone yeah. into it. So that's my little point adding on to the previous point. Yeah, yeah. So now going back to the... Uh, yeah, just take us sort of through the kind of life cycle of, of, of how it all works, like how, how a sort of satellite communicates with the Earth or another satellite. Right. Do you, should I have a go? Yeah, Mary, you're uh, yeah, looking, right, you're looking okay. keen. You're looking I'm, pumped I'm up, ready now. to... I'm nervous now. Uh, we, will, got, we will judge. I've got PhD students, uh, <laughs> so you know. Uh, but no, so an antenna is ultimately a piece of equipment. It can be pretty much anything. Really, can be an antenna, but it's so something it's that of metal. Oh, <laughs> normally it's a piece of metal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it doesn't have to be necessarily metal, right? <laughs> uh, but it's something that will release or, or resonate in energy at a certain frequency. So um, just like a tuning fork, for example, when you smack it, yeah. it will resonate at a very specific frequency. What that does is it creates an effect on the, in antenna perspective, electromagnetic field, which then generates electric and magnetic fields. So it disturbs the area around it. As that happens, that propagates further and further. And then if you have a, another antenna of similar make somewhere else, that antenna will then take that propagation and that disturbance in the electromagnetic field and it will receive it and it will basically take that energy and then pass it down to whatever you wanted to pass it down to. Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Just adding to your point, Myra, that it's very frequency dependent. Not every single frequency will be translated by every single antenna either. So you have to make very, very niche and custom to specific requirement. Yeah, and one more comment to add is related to what Miro said earlier about the radiation pattern of the antenna. The antennas are designed, depending on the application, to transmit or receive the energy to specific directions. Mm. Some antennas need to be more omnidirectional, like the antenna of inside your mobile phone. You don't know how you will be holding it, so you need to be able to communicate right. okay. equally to all yeah, directions. Yeah. Other antennas, a satellite, for example, you want to illuminate a specific area on Earth, so you need to make it... To so everything is the kind of mission dependent. You yes, design exactly. your antenna depending on what it, what your satellite wants to do and where it yes. is. And, uh, it's not only the satellite, it's also the other side of the link yeah. uh, on the Earth. So you might have a lot of different types of antennas on the Earth. You might have a fixed uh, ground yeah. station with uh, pointing at a specific satellite. Yeah. You might have terminals or moving vehicles or aeroplanes for broadband connectivity or communications. You might have antennas for, for GPS, for example, that are smaller antennas that need to be fit inside uh, small uh, mm-hmm. handheld devices. So is it that the Catapult provides all this kind of equipment for, and then companies can come to you and, and go, pro- right, oh, I've got an idea, do I want to try and build something, build a prototype yes. or actually build a an actual thing yeah, they can... We are like a neutral entity and we provide facilities a for... A neutral us. entity, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> You like that word? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds quite So we, yeah. we are unbiased. We are here to energize the, the space sector. Yeah. Okay. As a neutral entity, we welcome SMEs or even larger enterprise mm-hmm. to come and do their testing. Great. And then um, talking about the SATCOM, we, uh, SATCOM always have very directional antennas. So you have a satellite in space, which could be fixed at one point in geospatial uh, geo orbit, or it could be a Leo orbit, which could be constantly moving, and they're always facing at one point uh, on the Earth segment. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, and then it's not they don't have very omnidirectional antennas uh, in space. Following on from the facilities, we are also working on another uh, facility called CSAT in Westcott, not very far from here, measuring the uh, dynamically moving satellite antennas in a lab environment. It's a big, massive anechoic chamber, 14 by 8 by 8 meters. Hmm. And um, trying to create uh, moving satellites within that chamber. So, uh, so, uh, so the, you'll have something moving in the chamber, hence the size we'll, of the chamber. We'll simulate oh, these mo- movement effects uh, within right. the chamber. Let's bring in Martin up there in Glasgow. So, Spire, just tell us kind of where Spire actually. Well, and Mira as well. Spire and Helix. Maybe just tell us a little bit about just. Well, first of all, introduce Spire to our listeners. I'm sure lots of listeners will have heard of Spire, but just tell us uh, what you what you're doing up there and and how how this is useful for you? Yeah, sure. So Spire Global are a data analytics company, essentially, and we use space as our vantage point to go and collect data that's useful for people on Earth. So that can be things like uh, weather prediction modelling. We can collect data from GPS signals, which reflect through the Earth. We can collect this, process it, and you know try and predict where natural disasters may occur. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do things like vessel ship tracking, so maritime. Um, we do aviation tracking. We can find out where planes are, which give out ADSB signals. And what's quite interesting about Spire is that we do this from a very, very small satellite, which is around the size of a loaf of bread, is the, uh, a typical way of explaining it. Um, this has an array of sensors on there, so we can do all of these different applications with one small platform, which sort of goes against their traditional space companies, which as we've discussed, could spend 20, 25 years on one specific mission. It can cost, you know, hundreds of millions, up to billions of pounds, and then it might go up there and not work. (laughs) So Spire can launch a constellation of small multipurpose satellites and get data much quicker, and we can improve much quicker every designs and iteration for Spire, and we can essentially, you know, improve 10 times the next generation of satellites. In a nutshell, that's what Spire is. Uh, We're based in Glasgow. And we have our own manufacturing and design facility there. It's like the largest office. And we primarily use the catapult for antenna testing. It's one of the only facilities that we don't have on site at the moment. We have vibration tables, thermal vacuum, um, chambers such as that. But what we don't have is the antenna test. And that's where it's critical. And mm-hmm. where catapult have really supported us over the last two years. Uh, having a, a UK-based facility that lets us test all these array of antennas from very, very low frequency VHF um, all the way up to sort of KA band. That's where Spire operate, which is, again, quite different to companies who have one specific frequency, one application. We need ours to be quite dynamic, and, and Catapult really do offer that. So they've, they, they've been helping you out um, with, with your antenna testing. What about Helix? Tell us, um, Mira, tell us a little bit about Helix. Sure. So Helix is, is uh, a bit smaller, so maybe not a lot of listeners have uh, heard of it. But so Helix uh, Geospace uh, is based in Harwell, very close to the Catapult building. Uh, we design and manufacture um, dielectrically loaded helical antennas. Whoa, so whoa, that's whoa. quite a mouthful. <laughs> um, Back up. That's right. So... Um, <laughs> 
Di- so, yeah. That is one type of, of an antenna. What's so it called again? Dio? Dielectrically loaded helical antenna. I want one of those. <laughs> How, what, what is one of those? So the, the idea is that uh, helical antennas have been around for, for quite a while. So helical antennas, as you may imagine, is uh, literally a helices which rotate and they combine together. That gives you a, a very nice pattern, an omnidirectional pattern in direction and uh, fairly high gain and, and fairly easy to make. Uh, the problem with those is they are quite big naturally because of the frequencies that they are used in. If they are loaded just by air, they will be quite big. So what Helix does, and it's based on Oliver Leaston's uh, previous work for and the founder of the company, we use a, um, a ceramic, which is dielectrically loaded. So it's filled with a dielectric material that increases the dielectric constant of the material itself. What that then means in turn is that we're able to minimize the size of the of the antenna whilst maintaining high efficiency. Actually, well, that's an interesting point. So minimizing the size, like everything, everything seems to be getting smaller and smaller Absolutely. and smaller. So Spire is a loaf of bread. In the old days, satellites were kind of massive, the size mm. of cars. And now they don't. So the miniaturization of antenna is important, I'm guessing. Absolutely. So this is where um, the uh, being able to load it with a specific material helps it a lot. And the way in physics it works is the speed of light is traveling um, at three to the eight, but as it hits a um, high dielectric constant, it will slow down. Speed is related to the frequency. Therefore, if you can slow down the speed, you can technically change the frequency, which means you can uh, operate at a certain frequency at much lower, uh, smaller size. So that's that's in principle what we do. Um, so Helix uh, uses this technology for geo positioning, so for GNSS antennas, but we also design for communication, for satellite communication, uh, for example, Iridium. So uh, we found we're finding that our antenna works really well in embedded systems where you need a small antenna. Mm-hmm. However, the um, as we mentioned before, the the actual connection to the satellites, it's nothing like your uh, 4G here because you have so many base stations on Earth. Um, you can have a really poor antenna with quite poor efficiency, um, and you'll still be able to make the link. Uh, whereas I'm t- amazed how. I still can't get 5G. Wherever <laughs> that is they're true. Always, they that always is kind of overpromise the phone coming. They always say, oh, yeah, you get 5G anyway. Yeah, we already talking can't. about 6G already. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you, know, right. do you remember when they brought out 5G and they were like, oh, it's going to be brilliant and you'd be able to do all this amazing stuff? Yes. Yeah. And, and lo and behold, you can't. Still waiting for the amazing stuff. <laughs> I know. So, anyway, so, okay, so, anyway, so it's not like 5G. Yeah, no, it's so, so the antenna is a lot more efficient and uh, right. that allows you to, to make that connection to the satellite link. Um, still in a relatively small okay. unit. Got it. So, uh, Martin Amiru, let's say, just take us on a little journey. So we've got, we've built our prototype or our model or, that, or, that we want to send into space. We trot down to Harwell, to the catapult. What's, just take us through the process of how one tests an antenna, an antenna. What, like, what happens uh, Sure. Uh, if, I, if I can go first, Martin, uh, I mean, from, right. from uh, our perspective, uh, Vangelis is our savior because really, <laughs> um, <you> know, we, <laughs> the, the, the great thing about the catapults. Is he, is he, are they nice to work with? They are brilliant to <laughs> work with. Do they have like things like good coffee? Com- they, the, they important, have, the important yes, stuff. They do have a very good coffee, <laughs> okay. actually. I definitely recommend. I think uh, what really comes down to is we can definitely trust the results that they, they come back with, right. uh, which helps our research and development a lot because we are able to, 
test and develop much quicker. And then if we are providing information to our customers, mm. we definitely know what we're providing is true and the customers will be satisfied with the information. But uh, in terms of the process, uh, we are very close to the building. So, uh, you know, we tend to just stroll over to, to Vangelis. You know, we tend to book um, slightly in advance uh, for a day or two. Uh, the near okay. field chamber, um, but uh, they are again very um, nice and they, they try to get uh, get us availability as much as possible. So we're mid hey, five stars! <laughs> you get know. it. Like, yeah. Turn out, turn for for all you, your right? antenna needs. <laughs> right. Why do you think I was invited? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I could have a look at your comments. Section it's actually one of uh, <laughs> a great examples <laughs> of a success story working uh, of the catapult working with a small company. Yeah. We've worked a lot at the early stages of the company when uh, the funding is uh, is limited, uh, obviously, so they cannot build a own facilities these are quite expensive but now they have reached a point that uh, they have grown quite a lot and now they have they are in the process of building their own testing chamber and they can uh, okay. you know, move out uh. well actually it's a really good point how how important is kind of babysitting companies that come to you and sort of looking after them and supporting because i mean obviously this is a, it's a pretty niche area this well i have come from a very commercial world before i joined uh, yeah um satellite application catapult and the two acronyms are very common you probably know that so dfm and ttm right it's designed for manufacturer and time to market and then i think what what we try to do is you know as mentioned previously neutral entity you know we try to help smaller companies or any companies basically who who want to launch their products mm -hmm. as soon as possible in the market and mm -hmm. we find them a platform and you know good people and good uh, educated professionals to, to accommodate them uh, as and when required. Martin, up there in Glasgow, what's for you? What are the kind of challenges that you've come across in terms of antenna testing? Is it? I mean, when you design an antenna and then you test it in these environments that we've been talking about—the anechoic chamber and the vibration table and the environment chamber that sort of simulates launch in space—does it always go right, or is do things go wrong that then need improving? Things usually go wrong that need fixed before the launch. <laughs> yeah. I'm just wondering. It's like, do you get, it, yeah, do you get it, not get it right first time? It's, it's. I think Spires are quite a special case in in some instances where we pretty much have to get a launch right first time. The launch date's set, a contract will come in. There'll be a mission, right? And we, we have to meet it. Antennas are quite specialised to design. That's where my expertise is, and obviously we then use Evangelos' expertise for testing. But for us to get it right first time, we must essentially test with the satellite. So, for example, you asked about you know, what's our timeline like for testing. We would have a mock-up satellite, ship that down to Catapult, and we would have a fully deployed satellite essentially within the anechoic chamber with our antenna on it. And one of the big issues is that the antenna can be impacted heavily by that satellite. So the solar panels are large metal panels which deploy you could have other areas that can basically ruin the antenna pattern so if you're buying commercial off-the-shelf antennas and assuming you'll have this perfect performance that doesn't always happen mm. and what we've learned is that we must design simulate and then eventually measure and the intended sort of position That's installed, installed and you only find that out during the testing process that is that is that exactly. this is the point where you go oh, crikey that's not going to work because there's a yeah, blooming great solar panel in the way yeah and what can happen like we mentioned earlier certain frequencies can resonate with certain lengths of metal mm. so if you have some energy which couples into somewhere where it shouldn't that can resonate and you know 
put a, an interference signal elsewhere, which is an intent, not unintended for your satellite and others. So, yeah, it's pretty crucial for, for Spire to deliver on our customers that we test in, with a platform in mind. Thank you. Let's tell us about some of the kind of success stories. You know, we've we've got a couple of examples of companies who've been using your your equipment. But how long have you been going and what kind of successes have you had? Can you kind of look at some examples of satellites that are up there and working beautifully and go, yeah, we, we did that antenna, that's one of ours. Yes, yes, certainly. So we, we definitely have supported quite a few companies uh, with the design and the build of, uh, of antennas, like like Martin said, uh, that have uh, already gone uh, up onto, onto space. Uh, on the other hand, we have all supported a lot uh, a few companies during the development phase. And that's, I think, is uh, quite important. Uh, so it might take years <laughs> to develop uh, an antenna for specific application. And during that process, you need to be able to test uh, the product. And that's something that we have offered to, to quite a few companies. We have supported them at their early stage stages during right. the development phase of their product. And now they, they have launched products. They have got hundreds of millions of pounds of uh, investors, money. They have now five or six chambers of their own uh, and uh, doing their own tests. How busy are you? We are reasonably busy. I'm kind of interested in, in, in just from your point of view, is, is it like, well, like 10 years ago we weren't that busy and now it's like we, we've got... We've got we, we are busy. We, we're working with quite a, quite a few companies, so, so they, they keep us busy. But one of the important advantages of the Catapult, I think, is the flexibility and the accessibility to, to the labs. There are lots of other labs out there in, in universities, for example. Right. There, there are other facilities in the UK, but the primary focus of these facilities is not supporting small companies. They, this is a side focus. So being able to have quick, flexible and easy access to, to facilities yeah. such as ours is quite important. So we are busy, but on the other hand, we try to be flexible and, uh, and fair and supportive to, to, to all of these companies yeah. that we're working with. Yeah. For someone like me who knows nothing about Antenna, I'm interested in what the kind of big antenna news is. Like, what is the future of antenna? If we kind of look forward, is there, or are they kind of perfect now? Is that like, we've done antenna now, don't need to worry about those anymore. They're all, it's all great. No, absolutely not. I think there's always going to be, I think the problem of antennas, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, um, the, the research side is so much faster than the kind of commercial side of, on the antenna. So that if you look on the, on the research in academia, there's a lot of amazing, uh, you know, antennas made of meta materials and they can change shape and they can change pattern based on loads of things. And uh, that's all very interesting. But actually when it comes to kind of manufacturing and time to do a manufacturing, okay. that's a completely different story. And then also people are used to making the antennas for very cheap. So um, when you have, a, obviously not for satellites necessarily, but for kind of normal usage, the antenna is expected to be, you know, less than a dollar, whether it's in a car, whether it's in the phone. And that really just comes down to the huge volumes that you need to manufacture with. And that is quite boring. You tend to go for the old school methods to do that because yeah. you don't want to risk doing anything different. So you got, you, are you, are you kind of pushing the, the boundaries of, I'd say um, we're kind pushing of pushing the envelope of antenna design and yeah, we're right, right in the middle of the, I'd say, I think, um, what we're Helix is trying to aim to at the moment, we, we do the smaller volume and, and higher price, but actually, um, our manufacturing process, which we're working very hard yeah. on is scalable. So you can go from, um, you know, 50,000 a year to 2 million a year in a fairly reasonable time. And it's kind of research into this area and design. Is it about 
getting it better or is it about simply getting it more affordable, cheaper, scalable? Like what's the, what, what are the kind of priorities? I think, yeah, it depends. For satellite communication, I think better is always, you know, the money isn't necessarily that big of a problem because you don't want to lose the satellite and you don't you want to make sure that it works properly. Mm. Um, where there is less safety critical, actually, that, you know, the price becomes more of a factor. Mm. Autonomous vehicles is an interesting one because it's kind of in the middle of that. So it's not a satellite, it's not a kind of a very expensive space, but it has to be safety critical. And in order to be able to safety critical, the antennas that are going on. Wait, are you talking about autonomous vehicles on Earth? Of the future, yes. As in, so they're going to have to be sort of talking to the satellites? Well, they'll have to be talking to each other. They'll have to be getting GPS data, GNSS data. But for example, if they drive out of uh, LTE 4G network, they still need to be, you know, <laughs> they still need to be talking to some yeah. something, and that will most likely be through a satellite. I'd, ne- I'd never even thought about. I mean, I, I had thought about that, but I'd never thought about the fact that actually a lot of that's going to come down to how good the how good the communications between yeah. the yeah. various yeah. things are. are fundamental for this. Yeah. yeah. Well, at Catapult, we are also working on connected vehicle, you know, in high speed internet broadband as well. So that's one of the projects and uh, which I'm running at the moment for connected vehicles. Oh, okay. So high speed, high speed internet, but using satellites. Using Leo satellites. Using yeah. Leo, as in, I mean, people will have heard of Starlink. Is that the sort of yes. kind of? So there are three different major constellations: okay. OneWeb, Starlinks, and Kuiper from Amazon. Okay. So last data we were working is about four point five k Leo satellites in space up to twenty twenty two data, and they're projecting that up to about sixty k satellites in space in Leo orbit by twenty thirty. So we are catering for the next generation of facilities as well. So crikey! And so I, I suppose my question is then: What are the challenges? You've got this whole new kind of great world opening up in low Earth orbit of these these satellite constellations, of which getting the information to and fro. So in terms of you, as in terms of testing shall we say, you've got all these new ideas that Miro was saying, new designs, new strange, new exotic materials. How do you keep pace in terms of the testing of those? I'm working on a project, a facility in Westcott, which is mostly, so the next generation of uh, antennas are mostly electronically stable. So it will be basically a something like this. It will have little patches printed on the antenna itself. Like and a it, flat, you're looking at a, your like a flat panel antenna. Okay. Okay. And you can literally steer the beam without changing the mechanical position of this uh, flat. So you can How did you do that? Oh, there's some capacitor reactor diode. Cleverness. People, yeah. Clever people <laughs> make it. Like me and Martin have to design this kind <laughs> of antenna. And you can steer it, but, you know, plus and minus 60 degrees, depending how you design it. Yeah. And we are making a facility which will take into account the beam steering side of things and the motions of a vehicle, as Myra mentioned, autonomous connected vehicles, I call it CAV. Yeah. So we're trying to simulate those effects in a lab environment in a big anechoic chamber so that we start testing these uh, with moving LEO satellites in space. Yeah. So that's the next generation. We are working on a facility, which is probably you know, two to three years program. Martin, for Spire, what does the future look like for you guys up up, up in Scotland? Are, are you are you part of this this new world? Yeah, so electronic steered um, antennas or arrays are something that we've been exploring within, you know, say the last 12 months, whether that, when that turns into a product or a use case. So, as I said, as the satellites flying over the Earth, if you have quite high data, so it could be a very imaging payload, which is a lot of data and memory that needs to be downlinked to Earth, 
you could need a, a, a phased array which can steer and track the ground station as you're going over it in order to maximize the time that you can transfer the data. So when it comes to needing something like that for a specific mission, then 100% that's what we need to develop and and test. But the first buyer, we're getting quite much larger in satellites now. So mm. loaf of bread is changing into, I don't know, a, a microwave size. Um, and that allows us to pack more technology, which then goes up in frequency. We have some sort of hyperspectral monitoring type devices, which are high frequency microwave, which again would be, you know, way beyond the testing capabilities of what's currently on offer. And we'd have to look at ways to do that. Here's a question for you, Martin. As an antenna engineer, what gives you the biggest headaches? Like what are the biggest, I'm trying to get an idea of what's the biggest problem for you, for you guys as, as from an engineering point of view. So personally, it's um, space constraints. So satellite volume is critical. Space constraints. Uh, space, it's just not big enough. <laughs> yeah. I guess volume constraints on the satellite is a better way of putting that. So our satellites must fit in a deployer of a certain size, which may mean we have sort of 10 millimetres on the outside faces of the satellite. Can I just can say, but what, you mean the kind of the size of the rocket, essentially? Or, or, so on the rocket, they usually have what's called the deployer. The deployer has it within it, multi-satellites, which then get ejected as the rocket um, like a catapult. Once it reaches orbit, essentially, yeah. So it's catapulted out. And then um, within that box, though, there's a certain size and regulation which we have to adhere to. And that space is very limiting for antennas. So antennas get the usually improve with, you know, size, weight, thickness, and all of those are fighting against us personally for CubeSat antenna designs. So we have to find kind of ingenious ways. So for example, deploying antennas. So antennas that we want to be four times the size that, that we have, we have to unfold it a bit like origami in order to maximize the area. And that lets us then have a, a higher gain, more directional antenna. So yeah, so for CubeSats, that is one of the most difficult yeah. um, things to try and design. With. I always think though, I think that when you have constraints in engineering or art, whatever it is, that is the driver of creativity. When you've got limitation, if you've got just a blank canvas, do whatever you want, nothing happens. But if you've got, okay, it's got to fit inside this box, it's got to fit here, it's got to do that. Is it, I mean, as, as engineers, is it... It's a creative endeavor, what you want. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Martin. I think 99% of the problems is to do with will it fit? And then, uh, you know, because it, like Martin said, it's always easy to make a bigger antenna, which is better and uh, with higher gain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, if it did fit, then would it work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'd say it's a very creative uh, process. So, I mean, uh, in Helix, we, we're con continuously innovating and trying to come up with different ways and obviously how to make it cheaper but mm. also how to how to make it more reproducible and uh, I mean it's quite exciting I mean when obviously there's areas of kind of slugging away and nothing works but then you sometimes hit onto the one thing that yeah. really changes the game and then from there on you almost think well why why did we waste the last 12 months doing it this way so um, I think that's just a natural process in you know if you if you're challenged and you're keen enough you will find a solution for it i love that and is it does the well, hopefully the, the catapult encourages that that sense of creativity and supporting yeah, exactly. that. that's uh, that, that's one of the main objects of the catapult to to, to support the and encourage this creativity and uh, help the industry move ahead <laughs> yeah we not only provide the test uh, facilities for instance we also get people together and form a consortium to do a out of the box, you know, blue sky research type of project with different 
uh, academia or uh, industrial partners, uh, getting some UK space agency or uh, you know European space agency funding. I will never look at antenna in the same way again. <laughs> that, gents, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us and, and, and sharing this. I think I know everything there is to know about antenna and antenna testing, I think. <laughs> may all your tests be successful. Actually, may that's not true. May all your tests be, well, enlightening. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you very, very much. much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for your company. To hear future episodes of In Orbit, be sure to subscribe on your favourite podcast app and to find out more about how space is empowering industries between episodes, you can visit the Catapult website or join them on Twitter, LinkedIn or Facebook.